0: Eddie, welcome to the World's Greatest Bronze Age Spider-Man Podcast. Here comes the Spider-Cast. I'm your co-host, Michael, and as
1: always, I'm joined by
2: Joshua Mervell. And today we're going to be taking a look at um, some of the Spider-Man episodes from the 1994 show. Um, season 2, episodes 4 and 5, The Mutant Agenda, and uh, Mutant's Revenge.
0: Yes, that's right. And uh, we've got the whole gang here today. We have G.I. Jolie. She's back in the saddle. Woo! And Bex Luthor.
1: all. Hi. <laughs>
3: Hi, I'm here. It's, it's me. It's always me. All right.
0: And uh, and also a returning guest, our, our mutant specialist, uh, Harvey Brent. Thanks for joining us, Brent.
4: I, I wish my name rhymed with the popular X Man. I'm getting Harvey Dent as my as my monom- mononym, but I really wish it rhymed with an X Man or some sort of mutant. There's nice. one. it ones.
3: It's gotta. Know. There's like eight million X Men.
4: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll have to work on that. We'll, we'll keep but, that But on the then, back. but then, do we go for a rebrand? Did you call like, you Gambrent?
1: <gasps>
4: Gambit was my first ever crush from the X Men cartoon, which is appropriate for today. <laughs> Gambrent. I was like. It's Why kinda... does my crotch have a headache? I don't know. <laughs>
3: it's that Cajun like... accent. <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah, in the eyes and just like the bod. Ugh.
0: I had a crush on Rogue for sure, that voice. Wow.
4: Fun fact, Rogue is now the mayor. The voice that played Rogue is now the mayor of a small town in Nova Scotia to this day.
3: Really? That's awesome. yep. Canadian?
4: Excuse Canadian. me, I'm
3: moving to Nova Scotia. Wow. <laughs>
4: awesome. I'm on my way back.
3: Bring offerings on her
4: porch every day. <laughs> bring her offerings. Bring her mutants to set the life out of.
3: Just dress up as Carol Danvers.
4: Oh my god. Uh, do you think I have the would, costume. She would probably actually like appreciate that if somebody came up to her in Carol Danvers cosplay. She would probably actually love that. Probably.
3: L- definitely leaving to Nova Scotia. Girl, I got that costume. <laughs> Give me a touch.
4: I'll find out the town name and I'll send it a in an me. later to the team here.
3: This is getting creepy.
5: <laughs>
3: <laughs> all the right. moment
5: they open that bubble, all five of us are gone. Yeah.
4: Road <laughs> trip.
3: To go visit okay. the voice of Rogue.
0: That's right. <laughs> I don't care how old she is or what she looks like. I just want that voice, you know? Anyway. Mm-hmm. Okay. Back to the episode. Let's talk about this episode. So this is two episodes of Spider-Man, but it features the X-Men from the X-Men cartoon. Mm-hmm. So... I didn't do any research, but one thing I know about this is that I I think they, this was pre-internet days, apparently they had to fly the entire cast of the X-Men out to a different, like, whatever. one of them's in Canada, one of them's in the US, and whoever was in one, they had to fly to the other?
4: X-Men's in Canada.
0: Okay, so they probably flew all of them to California, right, to do the voices? It was really expensive. Yet nowadays, they would just dude over skype right <laughs> or something but audacity yeah exactly <laughs> um but anyway so that's interesting obviously the animation is a slightly different style but other than that uh harvey brent you're our guest so you're going to tell us the the rough uh, encapsulation of what these episodes were about
4: all right so the tea is that the episode <laughs> started off with spider-man who He's, you know, been. I think he was uh, consulting with Doctor Kurt Connor, aka the Lizard, and he's like, and Kurt Connor's saying, "You're undergoing mutations. You know, um, your your cells are changing. You need to go see an expert." And who better to talk about mutations with than Professor Charles Xavier and the Xavier School for the Gifted Youngsters? And so Spider Man visits Xavier School. Um, he runs amok the X Men in the um, in the sub basement. And you know, a, a classic comic book uh, little skirmish ensues um, where there's misunderstandings and there's violence. Spider-Man escapes to the danger room. The X-Men realize that he's in there by himself and he's probably going to get screwed because Gambit was practicing the Sentinel program in the danger room beforehand. So they save him. Professor X comes in and basically tells Spider-Man, mm-hmm. listen, I can't help you out, man. And so... <clears throat> Spider-Man you know woefully retreats and it's after a while that Beast um, tracks down Spider-Man and says "Uh, you should go visit Herbert Landon. Herbert Landon is working on a cure for mutations which is you know a tale as old as time when it comes to the X-Men they're always looking for cures right and so um, while that's happening um, some of Kingpin's men I believe no it's Herbert Landon's men sorry um, Herbert Landon's men um, are spying on Spider-Man and they see him interacting with Beast. And as Spider-Man leaves, they capture Beast. So that's the B-plot. Um, that leads us into episode two, where, um, and by the way, Hobgoblin's been permeated throughout the entire episode, but episode two, where Beast is held captive by Herbert Landon. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, Spider-Man is seeking him out because Spider-Man wants to to find a cure or to find out what's happening. And so, um, Hobgoblin, who is also tussling with Herbert Landon over this, over the the intellectual property of this cure, um, there ensues a big, uh, you know, kerfuffle, a big scuffle in Herbert Landon's lab. Um, Wolverine, of course, attention seeker, comes onto the scene as well and tries to rescue Beast while the other X Men typically play backseat to Wolverine and they're looking for Beast elsewhere. I'm assuming, and so. Um, you know, fighting ensues. Uh, Herbert Landon gets knocked into his vat of the mutant cure, and that turns him into a um, a giant monstrosity. I think they were going for King Kong there, um, but he kidnaps his assistant, you know, and he, he sucks up electricity all over New York City, and it's up to the X-Men and Spider-Man to stop him. So what happens is they team up, um, and they sap all the energy out of Herbert Landon in this monstr- monstrous form. And that brings him back down to his unmutated self, and that's when you know the X Men part ways, and that's the two episode arc.
0: Okay, th- so I'll just say very quickly uh, before we jump into it, uh, the one thing that disappointed me about this two parter was that they focused to me too much on Beast <clears throat> and Wolverine rather than the rest of the team. I didn't like that about it, but. Other than that, there's other issues I have. I don't think the animation so far in season two is as good in season one. I'm not sure if they changed studios or what happened there. But overall, obviously, I enjoyed the episode. But that was my main takeaway was that I wanted to see more of the rest of the X Men. But um, I, well, let's jump over to Jolie. Uh, Jolie, what was your take on this two-parter?
5: Um, I had the pleasure with a five-year-old who had never seen animated um and she really loved it uh i spent the whole time wonder woman is never going to show up because they don't live in the same universe uh, <laughs> she kept asking right? she's like well how come wonder Woman isn't here um so we were all very disappointed about that but we all learned and um i if i wasn't watching with her i would I'd tend to agree with you it was a lot of the moment wolverine got on screen it was a lot of wolverine envy and mm, spider-man did some really weird things and said some really weird things it's typical peter parker stuff i thought we were about to get another origin slash death Mm -hmm. uh nation but we just flashback fishing scene which was kind of nice was lovely. Mm -hmm. We don't often see him flashing back to good memories with Uncle Ben where he's that young and they're, you know, out by Creek Fishing. I love fishing. Um, Mm -hmm. If I had to rate these out of, like, five, I'd give them a three.
0: So, not as good as previous episodes we've reviewed? Or what? I mean,
5: um, you know what? There was more action. There was a lot going on, uh, as I to maybe some of the other episodes where it was very much like we ha- we're dealing with the hobgoblin or the, g- the green goblin. At this um, point, they're all bleeding together. Mm-hmm. Okay, what, what type of goblin are we dealing with mm-hmm. this time? Um, also, when the hobgoblin showed up, I was very confused with that they didn't use him a little bit more too. But anyway, we'll talk about that. It's like three out of five. All right. All
2: right.
0: Warm feelings. Joshua. Yeah. Okay. Joshua Murvell, what's your first impression?
2: Uh, Yeah, it was pretty fun. Um, I'm always worried with crossover episodes of TV shows because it sometimes feels very. I I mean, just like with comics as well, when, when it's like this big crossover event, it's usually kind of a jumbled mess because. They're just doing this to be like, look at, I, these two things are in the same world. Don't you like these two things together? Um, so I was worried that this was gonna be kind of that same jumbled mess. And I was pleasantly surprised that it wasn't so um, disorienting and like everything like that was there was there for a reason and kind of, you know, meshed pretty well. Um, I do agree I think Wolverine was the weakest part. Um, this is based off of a comic book as well um, that came out in 94 and this right. came out season two started in 95. So I'm assuming it was kind of along the same time as them um, writing the issues. They were probably writing the scripts for the show and J.M. Uh, J.M. Demetrius is the writer for the TV show and he is a, a comics writer as well. So. So. I'm assuming that I don't know if he wrote the the comic, um, and it's it's called the same thing. It's called the Mutant Agenda that arc. So I'm. It
3: looks
0: like Becca's on that. She's checking. No, she's playing
2: something again. <laughs> no, anyway.
3: it was Stephen Grant who wrote that. Okay.
2: Okay. Um, oh, and he did I'm write. I'm just looking the, at pictures. He Stephen Grant did also write <laughs> uh, this episode these episodes as well so and
0: and just we know josh we know J M dimatius from his career on marvel team up don't forget that
2: right yeah Mm -hmm. so so it's 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 uh, it's nice to see that he is capable of doing a marvel team up properly yeah (laughs) Uh, but wolverine was absent in that one which um totally makes sense because Wolverine really has no point being here besides he was like the most popular character of the X-Men TV show. So mm-hmm. they wanted him to come over and fight Spider-Man. Um, mm-hmm. Other than that, it was kind of this like ham fisted, like, look, Wolverine, Spider-Man, you were kind of like Spider-Man once. Maybe you should give him a chance. And that was pretty much the whole reason he was there. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't mind that they focused on beasts because again, it's um, like half his story, half Spider-Man story. Um, and I, I don't mind that some of the other mutants were put off to the side because we were focusing on the characters that mattered in the story. So, yeah, I think altogether it was pretty good. I, I enjoyed it.
0: All right, Bex Luthor, what's your first impression?
3: You know I liked it. Like, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Is there, was there any doubt? No. I remember watching this as a kid, and like they, as soon as like Peter shows up and, and then goes to the X-Mansion, I was like... Oh my God, like blew my mind, right? Because like two shows coming together, love that shit. That's all I, that's, and then the X-Men theme song comes on. I st- I, when I watched it as an adult again, I was like, oh, the X-Men theme song, I got nostalgic all over again. No, I love this little mini arc where they show up and they just, it's like a one confined story and doesn't like, the X-Men just don't pop in all the time. Right. I think it works really well. And I like the focus on Beast. I like Beast a lot. I love his like Shakespearean quips and like his weird accent and the fact that he's shorter than Wolverine for some reason. I it's all it's very charming. Um, and I liked Spider Man, Wolverine's little little dance. I mean, it did give us a great meme that like I didn't realize that it came from this episode, but them like tussling on the ground at the end of the uh, uh episode four. I used that gif. I've used that gif my entire life. <laughs> really.
0: I didn't know it existed until today. <clears throat>
3: yeah that's I sent it in our, yeah. our chat. I sent it to you because it's like when and it's been used in in many different instances, sometimes they're fighting, sometimes they're kissing mm-hmm. <laughs> um, Hot. yeah, no, absolutely no I, <laughs> Ten out of ten would ship it. Um, no, it was super fun. I just... I I did write notes for, like, the first episode, and I was going to take notes for the second episode, but the only thing I ended up writing them down was a quote that um, the guy's assistant said, and she said, in regards to mutants, if they don't exist, then they can't suffer. And I laughed for, like, ten minutes about it. <laughs> I was like, So just, yeah, if they're dead, they can't feel pain. You know what? You're not wrong. But also... <laughs> Ma'am.
0: So it's like, yeah. He's out of line. She's out of line, but she's got a point. And this is Wendy's.
3: (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then I did like the twist that she's she's also a mutant at the end. That's fun. And she saves him, and I didn't see it coming because I wasn't paying attention to her at all. Because like, no offense, lady, but Wolverine's on the screen. I'm not looking at you. (laughs) I liked it. I thought it was genuinely funny, and it held up really well to to my nostalgic glasses.
0: And uh, compared to previous episodes we've reviewed, same level of quality? Oh,
3: yeah. Uh, I mean, it was more fun than, like, mm-hmm. badass. Yeah. Um, like, there's, there there are some parts of it that definitely stood out, but it's not it's not like the Venom episodes, which are, like, the coolest thing in the world to me. Mm-hmm. But um, there's two things that my partner noticed when we were watching the episode, and or the two episodes. And the first one was when... They're like in the the laboratory room and Peter is holding up the cage that's holding up Beast that's also holding Wolverine and how he's just so jacked and he's just like holding up these two very hefty men and a giant metal cage. And then later on in that same episode, um, they're like, oh, how are we going to stop the lizard guy? And Peter's like, use this science because I'm smart and I understand science. (laughs) And Beast is like, whoa, this guy's a nerd, too crazy and i love that <laughs> they showcase that duality of spider-man all the time that's my favorite is when they're like not only is he stronger than literally everyone and doesn't realize it nobody else realizes it but he's also a lot smarter too and i just love that about peter
0: can i yeah can i give a shout out to marvel comics for putting nerds on a pedestal peter parker bruce banner reed richards beast right uh henry mm. pym these are not random people Men. that got super powered well but they're all geniuses. They're all science geniuses, just like our pal Harvey Brent, who's a scientist, right? <laughs> Brent, Mister Scientist. Before I met you, I didn't know any scientists. Now I know like fifteen of them. Yeah. Uh, can they're you tell all us in the same circle of All the same. Yeah.
4: <laughs> <laughs> we travel in, dro- in roving gangs of scientists. <laughs>
0: <Yes>. <laughs> um, can you tell us? I know that you did the summary, but now tell us your impression of this episode. What did you think of the quality?
4: All right, well, here's, yeah. So, <laughs> no. I noticed, I, obviously, anybody that knows me, and I've, I've been on your show in the past, although I, I don't think I've been on, like, in almost a year. I think the last time I was on was, like, August, maybe, when we it's did. Been a uh, while. Oh, God, what was that comic we reviewed? Uh, it wasn't Kang. It was, um... K- uh, and he, uh, he had the city. He, like, made New York City barbaric. Oh. Callum, Callum Zoo, Cal... Calum- Wait, Brent...
0: You were on our show on February 24th reviewing those X-Men comics, remember?
4: Yes. Sorry, that is the one I'm talking about, though. Oh, okay. City. I'm sorry, I thought it was August. Um, and like,
3: <laughs> it all blurred uh, together. <laughs>
4: what, COVID? It was um, a year
3: ago, anyway.
4: I, anyways, um, so it's been a while, but everybody that knows me knows that I, I really like the 90s X-Men cartoon. Mm. So the first thing that stuck out to me was the fact that the animation is actually quite different between the Spider-Man cartoon and the X-Men cartoon. And you, nice. you just notice that through the way that the X-Men are animated, obviously, not so much Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Spider-Man cartoon has much more um, pastel-y colors for the X-Men characters than the X-Men cartoon had. The colors mm-hmm. are more pastel. Um, so that was the kind of like the first thing I was like, whoa, we are not in... We're not in previously on X Men anymore. We're in the Spider <laughs> Spider Man cartoon. Um, I but I liked I liked the episode. I, I think I would agree with um, Bex that it it held up well in my nostalgia glasses because I too watched this episode as a kid. So I was I was familiar with the entire cartoon, but specifically these two episodes well before you know you asked me to review them. I've known this cartoon for a very long time, and I think it held up well. But I also um, I think it was Jolie, maybe Josh, you said this too. Um, I wasn't like a fan of them focusing so much on Wolverine and Beast, but I I do like Beast, but it's the whole Wolverine part that I'm like, oh my God, of course, like, of course they would though, right? Like that's mm-hmm. a commercial decision with Wolverine. It almost always is. Um, mm. But I just, I, I, yeah, I liked it. It's um, I, I, I don't know if you guys noticed it, but in the first episode, I almost felt like they explained mutation better than the x-men cartoon ever explained mutation (laughs) like at the at the summit where landon's going over his cure i'm like oh damn that's good like (laughs) if i was still a teacher i would teach this to someone like it was better than any time that the x-men cartoon ever talked about mutations um so it's just little stuff like that that i'm like huh this is this is cool you know and um if i had one like minor gripe about it, I guess. I thought, like, I agree with you guys that the rest of the X-Men were kind of shelved at the back until the end. I would have loved to have seen the X-Men um, save the day sooner and come in while Hobgoblin was antagonizing them. And I would have loved to see the X-Men, like, Storm and Gambit and Rogue and Cyclops mix it up with the Hobgoblin. That would have been freaking cool.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, That's a good point. That's a
4: good point. So, so, just little things like that. I mean, they also just...
2: Uh, episodes before this were the sinister six six right so like that could have been cool to have like oh. spider-man be uh outmatched and having to team up with the x-men in like the the previous ep or the next episodes um yeah that could have been really fun
0: now here's my one here's my one of my biggest gripes, and i want to know mm-hmm. what you guys think now, I don't want to sound like a nerd or anything, but one thing I know about mutants, <laughs> well, gonna, but I'm been been gonna. What
3: episode is this?
0: That yeah. <laughs> but, but that's like when my friend saw me on TV for the first time and he was like, oh my god, this guy's never going to get laid. He's wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. I was like, dude, I'm hosting a show called the Comic Book Syndicate. Yeah, it's the shirt that does it. <laughs> yeah, it's the we're shirt, the yeah. <laughs> so anyway. Women
3: hate Star Wars. Yeah, so
0: back to what we were talking about here. Uh... So, one of the things in the Marvel Universe is that there's a difference between a mutant and a mutate, right? A mutant is born with their powers, a mutate attains their powers later. In this episode, the premise is that uh, whoever is going to turn people into mutants, that can't. It's just like the plot of the first Exxon movie with Magneto. You can't turn people into mutants. You're either born with it or you're not. You're gonna so, turn him
4: into freaking water like Senator yeah, Kelly.
0: Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> not really irritated right. because it violates like a central tenet of the Marvel universe. But also I didn't like the fact that when they did turn into a mutant, it was just this it basically turned into like a monster movie for me.
4: It was it was literally King Kong. He grabbed exactly, his like exactly. damsel in distress secretary and climbed a skyscraper in New York.
0: <laughs> right, right. That's what I mean. It's like why and, and and you know what? This was my problem, I think, is that as I was watching the show, I was like, okay, you have the X-Men. You have the the mutant concept. So, what can you? What is this episode doing that can only be done with X Men? But it wasn't that, because that's just random monster, right? It, it, at least like go like at least like say with X Files, they'd get a little bit deeper and go, well, what if this caused this, and what if something? What what if they uh uh, uh what's it called like a parasite mutated into a human, or what if this caused that? But it just seemed like th- they missed a chance to get really creative with the kind of character that they ended up fighting. I thought it was kind of generic at the end. So that's one reason I didn't like it. And and, and speaking of Wolverine's uh, you know, popularity, I'm actually surprised that this version of Wolverine was as popular as it was because I honestly never liked this guy, this voice actor. I, I never liked mm. the way he was portrayed in the show. And like, cause for me, I'd already been reading X-Men for, say, five years when the show came out. So to me, I was just like, oh, it just sounds like a guy trying to sound like a tough guy so i never really liked this version of wolverine you know so it was even worse for me but anyway they,
4: Brent... they glorified toxic masculinity by casting that guy as wolverine's voice <laughs> right
0: i i don't know anything about this guy do you the actor
4: i know i think he's dead now oh no is he a
0: mayor as well nice. so is okay. he a
4: mayor no he's a police officer um no yeah. i have no idea Gross. what kind of civil yeah, servant he is. dodd anyway, yeah.
2: that sounds like a fake name
0: right <laughs> um, I do like uh, Beast though Beast. I, I'm watching Beast and I'm like is, is this Kelsey Grammer doing Beast like even back
4: then you know like it's exact right they nailed his voice in the cartoon right absolutely right. nailed Beast mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
3: the thing with the X-Men cartoon is some of those voices are so ingrained into Marvel lore now like right, it's right. insane how much like oh yeah Gambit and his cage in action that's, that's Gambit Gambit can't not sound like he does in the the 90s cartoon otherwise it would Mm. be weird to me and like he doesn't have to (laughs) Mm -hmm. none of these characters have to sound like they did in the cartoon but they will always sound like they did in the cartoon
2: like when i'm when i'm reading comics i hear christopher daniel barnes's voice when i'm reading spider-man lines like this this voice of spider-man for me has always been the voice of spider-man because this is what i this was like my first introduction to spider-man probably it was this or the sam Ra- No, even before the sam raimi movies i watched this show for sure so this has always kind of been my spider-man so like it's just ingrained in me now that th- this is what spider-man is supposed to sound like
0: see for me it's the 80s show which is the same voice actor that played bumblebee and transformers right? <laughs> right so that voice but uh The one thing I got to say about the Spider-Man show, the 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 element they added that I don't think any other show has is the narration, right? Spider-Man is constantly narrating, and I think that really adds an extra layer to the show. Mm -hmm. That you because right because I I can't even think of another cartoon that has the lead character narrating like that, first person. I thought that was cool.
2: Yeah, but it it kind of makes it feel even more like a comic book too, because you are constantly getting that thought dialogue uh, Mm -hmm. while you're reading. Right. So to kind of have that translated as like a narration for the show, I think really works and really lends itself to kind of the quippiness of Spider-Man to kind of uh, really get what's going on inside his mind, because that's a lot of the times where he'll like monologue about, oh, man. Nothing's going right for me. It kind of mirrors that. like. Right, right, right. Uh, like when he was Kali being creep
3: spiking. outside of Mary Jane's window, and he's like, oh, Mary Jane, she'll never want me. He's yeah. like, yeah, because you're being weird.
4: <laughs>
3: you're spying on her, you creepy yeah. jerk. But that's okay. Peter.
4: You know who else was being creepy AF in these two episodes? I'm just going to throw it out there. Rogue. She- yeah,
3: girl, step off.
4: She, okay, I get it. She can't touch anyone and she's probably thirsty AF for the D, but she is throwing herself at Spider-Man on at least two different occasions. She doesn't even know what the man looks like. He has his mask on the entire time. Like that's desperate, honey.
3: Here's the thing though. Who does she have at home, right? She's got uh Gambit, who sometimes is a dick. So like whatever's going on, maybe they were off on on again. Who knows? Wolverine, you know, smelly uh beast i mean i i'd go for it but maybe she's not into monsters which whatever charles xavier that's your dad cyclops sucks so like also
4: a tired lay (laughs) (laughs) sorry he
3: was a tired lay (laughs) yeah
4: he's boring he only does missionary for sure
3: (laughs) charles m xavier (laughs)
4: <laughs> um, no, I meant Cyclops I meant Cyclops Oh, <laughs> oh
1: <Yeah. no! laughs>
4: This is getting weird Okay, so anyways, Rogue is being Mighty predatory And her precious, like, five lines I was so excited to see the voice actor come back hey, And, like, that's... two of those five lines Are, like, hitting on Peter Parker I'm like, come on
3: I mean, did you see him in that outfit, though? His butt, his body
4: Thick Peter Parker's thighs. always
3: hot. Yeah, yeah, tree trunk thighs, like, come on.
0: He is a little bit bulk, to my opinion, too bulky here in this cartoon, but whatever.
3: But then you they put Venom next to him, and you're like, oh.
0: Right, well,
4: yeah, Venom's the whole you, other thing. You there. like the Twinkie Spider-Man, don't you? Yeah,
0: you like <laughs> yeah.
4: <laughs> the Twinkie, yeah. you got it. So,
0: okay, let's talk about the animation quick, Brent. You mentioned yeah. the difference in animation. Now, I want to point out, when we had uh, Kristen Siapas on our show, when we reviewed the cartoon, I think, last summer, she she and I both said the same thing. It looks like the Ghostbusters cartoon from the late 80s, the real Ghostbusters. Sure enough, Google it. It's the same studio, right? So the animation in season one, at least, was really good. But I noticed, I don't know, again, uh, it seems different this season. But I guess my question is, is, since I'm not a big fan of the animation in X-Men, does anyone notice an improvement in quality over the X-Men animation or is it worse? Yes,
2: definitely. Yeah, better? I, I love the X-Men animated show. I really, really do, but the animation quality is sp- spotty. It's it's mm-hmm. sometimes there are shots that are very well animated and then there are other shots that mm. are like very rough. Um, They almost sometimes feel like just storyboards that were kind of just traced over. And uh, we've talked about this, I think pretty much every single time we've talked about the animated show was, but they uh, oftentimes, uh, especially during a time crunch would outsource their animation to Mm -hmm. other countries and then have it shipped back. So that's why sometimes the animation wasn't so great. Um, But for Spider-Man, I don't think that they often did that, and I think that shows with the animation. Everything is pretty smooth, and um, the posing is great. There's very like clean lines, uh, so I really do like the the animation in this show for a um, lower budget TV show, kids TV show in the '90s. So,
0: but didn't did anyone notice a difference in the style of animation from previous episodes, or is that just me?
4: I wonder no. if that was to accommodate the X Men.
0: Could be, could be. I don't know. But but here's the thing: is we watched, I watched the previous three before this, mm. and I noticed the same thing. I'm like, man, it's just not as good. Now, granted, these I was watching previous episodes on my laptop, and these ones I was watching on my 65 inch TV. Right. So maybe that <laughs> reveals some that of the flaws. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that revealed some. I'm brax planning. Anyway, um, maybe that was it. I don't know. I just thought it just wasn't quite as good. But maybe it's my mm. imagination. Um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> animation. Okay, what else? <laughs> That's the thing. Is I mean, the thing with these episodes is we, it, they're sort of consistent all the way through. So we kind of mm. love them to the same like. There's nothing much to complain about. You know, it's not like the comics where we have three or four different writers and we can crap on most of them. And this one's almost this show's almost always good. Right. Mm
2: -hmm. We all love it. And it seems like it's so good because um, in the comics, a lot of the times Mm -hmm. it's it really feels like they don't have an editor. They just take the first script that they've got and they're like, yep, we don't have enough time. Stamp of approval, where uh, this show is really relying heavily on comic stories. They're adapting, and pretty faithfully, I would say, for a TV show, uh, adapting arcs, important Spider-Man arcs from the sh- uh, from the comics into the show, and they're able to kind of go in and make these little edits and and tweaks and you know, fix it to kind of fit the story. And they have this kind of like overarching plan for everything and they know what needs to be done by the end of the series. So they're kind of working their way there where with comics, a lot of times it really does feel like they're making it up as they go month to month. Yeah. Right. So I think that's why this show has been consistently good is because they don't have to come up with any new ideas. They're just, uh, reworking old ideas from comics in the past and it's in it work and it works. It's, it's, I think uh, really great. And it holds up today. And they're able, yeah, they're able to like add in
0: foreshadowing and tie things together better mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. Right. And, and, and then any stories that were crap, they can just ignore them and not do them. Right. It's like the greatest hits of Spider-Man. Are we going to say, Brent?
4: I was going to say, um, I, I don't know if we talked about this the last time we talked about X-Men cartoons, but Um, We actually have the 90s X-Men cartoon to thank for episodic cartoon episodes where they, like, lead into each other. I believe the 90s X-Men cartoon was the first ever cartoon that did, like, sagas and stuff and, like, you know, episodes that directly bled into each other. You know, the whole previously on X-Men. I believe that was the first ever cartoon to do that.
0: I'm going to argue Robotech did it in the 80s, though. Now, granted, that was a Japanese show. but Okay. maybe maybe it's the first North American one, yeah, for sure.
4: Yeah, but that's it's carried over here too. And like, I didn't watch the three episodes before, but I I have seen the entire this entire '90s cartoon of Spider-Man th- throughout, you know, before. Mm-hmm. And I I do remember that being a a big strength to this cartoon is that there's you know some overarching you know longer um, groups of episodes that they group together as sagas, you know. So I I did actually appreciate that a little bit.
0: Well, and the, and I and I love the supporting cast in the show. Like, I'm not sure if we've talked about this, but does does everybody here appreciate or or what do you think about the fact that they basically ditched Gwen Stacy and just replaced her with Felicia Hardy? Do you guys like that? Does it do you care? Anybody? Because
2: uh, I don't mind because I feel like with Gwen Stacy. It's always a matter of, oh, her time's ticking. Mm -hmm. We know, we know what's going to happen. So they can Mm -hmm. kind of like sidestep that and just um, tell a good story. Mm -hmm. Um, That was a big problem, I feel, with Amazing Spider-Man 2. (laughs) It was kind of like the writing was on the wall for Gwen. Um, So I, yeah, I don't mind at all.
3: Yeah, That's why I think Gwen Stacy works a lot better as a character outside of her being up spider-man love interest like any of the modern gwen stacy stuff now is great because she's allowed to be a fully fleshed out character instead of just like peter's sadness (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm.
0: i speaking of spider amazing spider-man 2 when we did our review of that movie i started the review with saying so when gwen stacy died (laughs) and, and like someone was like "Unsubscribe." I'm like, how did you not know that was coming? Anyway,
3: okay, so you remember that, Becca? Remember that one? That wasn't... was me.
0: I yeah. said that. Yeah. That <laughs> was-
1: <laughs>
3: Every negative comment on all of our YouTube oh, stuff yeah. has just been Brent trolling you. No, I definitely remember that. Actually, I was just talking about that review the other day because we were making fun of the song that's in Amazing Spider-Man Two, and I couldn't and like. There was for you. Yes, we were all doing like you. a quiz and it was like, Do you know your Spider-Man movies? And one of the questions was like, What was the song? And I was like, I know what the song was because then we made fun of it in the review.
0: That's right, you and Lisa were singing it at the end, right? And
3: and Lisa, yeah.
0: Okay. <laughs> we're That's all funny. there. Yeah.
3: Good times. I, Great movie.
0: You know, I've, never wa- I've never watched it again since. Anyway, Josh,
2: what are you gonna say? It's pretty crazy that. 26 years later, this show still stands up. Like, it still holds up.
0: And so does the one from the 80s. But yeah, I know what you mean. Like You're
3: wrong.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, don't forget. I can
2: I can see this show airing today. I cannot see the one from the 80s airing today and being successful.
0: Uh, if you ask people from my generation, they might just Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I know what you mean. I, no, no, I know what you mean. Like, this one feels more modern. Like, if you watch it, there's almost nothing really dated about it. Other than the CGI buildings.
3: I love them. And, oh, and the crap. CGI
2: hobgoblin hacking into the building. Oh,
3: I love <laughs> that. Oh, his 3D render. <laughs> Hilarious. That was fantastic. I just, I can't get enough of that 90s CG stuff. I just, I have a soft spot in my heart for Reboot, the animated show. So anytime there's anything remotely close to that, I'm just like, yeah, I don't care how awful it looks. I think we we were just watching or talking about the original Mortal Kombat movie too, and that's they, got some some there bad a, CG.
4: There was a discussion about that on the Spider Casters. Oh or? no,
3: my partner and I. No.
4: Oh, okay. I was gonna say, whoa. You're
3: like, excuse me.
4: <laughs>
3: I think
5: we talked about Mortal Kombat for a second, didn't we? Were
4: on our last episode of the full volume podcast. Yeah, we did talk about it briefly. <laughs> <laughs> briefly. Yeah.
5: Uh. They're yeah. All great. Anyway. <laughs>
2: um,
0: so yeah, no, I agree with you, Josh. Like, I think it does mm-hmm. hold up really well. I think the writing is solid, the animation solid, everything. Like, even when I was a kid, even though I didn't watch every episode, every time I did watch it, I thought it was better than X Men for sure. I always thought that.
5: No, Julie, you like X Men better. I love the X Men better. There was just, uh, yeah, it's like there there were just so many characters to attach myself to, and I just didn't. Um, but for some reason, I just didn't make that leap to Spider-Man. He just wasn't part of my world. Mm. Yeah. Okay. Maybe he was like on a channel that was like blurry that I couldn't tune in, but yeah, like I think it yeah. sorry. That's okay. Uh,
2: yeah. I, I agree with you. I think that X-Men has um, more and maybe better characters and some really great stories. I just think that overall the Spider-Man show holds up more today. Mm-hmm. Um, but the X-Men one just has this like. Charm. There's something special about it.
5: Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. It's
4: those strong interpersonal relationships within the team. And then all of their, you know, outside relationships with other mutants they know in the past and their life. It it really builds a world in that mm-hmm. X-Men card. Two. Yeah.
2: and, and, Everybody can see themselves in an X-Men character, right? Where with Spider-Man, it's like, well, if you're a straight white dude, you probably see yourself as Spider-Man. But other than that, it's, you know, X-Men feels like it's the show for everybody. Not that Mm -hmm. Spider-Man excludes anybody, but, um, yeah, I think that that's definitely also part of the charm of of X-Men,
4: for sure.
5: Yeah, I agree with Josh. It was easier... Um, it was easier to probably relate and uh, not relate just even see it even the even the trouble or the the lead drama is that the it's mutants against the human race and with spider-man it's spider-man and the hobgoblin or spider-man and kingpin it was never you know i mean the it, it wasn't, even the the baddies that he was up against, it wasn't, you know, it was still sort of fantastic. And X-Men felt a little more real, a little bit.
3: Yeah, I mean, there's a reason why marginalized groups tend to to go towards X-Men, right? We all mm-hmm. were like, oh, the world hates us too, right? Like, So it's just so much easier to be like the a little girl, at least for me, a little girl being like, oh, I like girls and spider-man is just like spider-man he's cool or whatever but like the x-men people hate them for the who they are mm-hmm. and like they're not, they're good people so it's like you just gravitate towards that i mean like all you have to do is go on the internet for five minutes and you could see why people of color and, and lgbtq community like x-men mm-hmm. they've just always mm-hmm. been that
5: it, it, and mm-hmm. it was really i remember as a kid kind of um even if they're, if the villains that they were fighting were fantastic, it was kind of like a crapshoot to see who, because there were so many X-Men, whose powers would be used to vanquish this foe. So it's like, is Storm going to call on the powers of all of the weather? Yes. Um, <laughs> is Rogue going to fly? Maybe not in this episode, but she might in another episode. You know what I mean? Like, is Gamut gonna throw playing cards at people?
1: Yeah, um, probably. <laughs>
5: probably, yeah. It's like, is Wolverine gonna use his claws? Are we gonna like? It was always a different mix um, mm. of seeing powers. It was like, it was, it was like Power Rangers. It's like, oh okay, which. Which um, which color ranger is going to be the one that comes out on top this episode? And that's mm-hmm. what it was like for me and the X Men. And I mean, they had the had an Asian character. She mm-hmm. has sparkle fingers. <clears throat> that's fine. She was Asian, and I could I could I could see that, and it was mm-hmm. made it awesome for me. So mm-hmm.
3: Jubilee you know. has one of the best lines in all of X Men too, is when she's in the arcade, and she's like. Busts the machine with her powers, and then the guy's like, "Do you know how much that costs?" And she's like, "Yeah, twenty five cents."
1: Yeah, like that's
3: like that's amazing. I love Jubilee. (laughs) I I go ahead,
4: I was gonna say, and you know, after watching the cartoon again um, during the beginning of COVID last year, I watched the entire thing through. Jubilee, you know, as much when I was young, I thought she was just an annoying brat character, but she really is the heart of that show. And like, Mm -hmm. I looked upon her with much kinder eyes. When i watched it again maybe i'm just getting old but i was like man there she had some you know becca you just mentioned like like a very like funny line but jubilee also has some very poignant lines that like really stick with you like when she's talking to storm on the roof in the first episode about being different and stuff like it's just like it really tugs at your heartstrings at this child that's learning about their powers like oh it like it hits all the feels. this damn Mm -hmm. show like it it they give jubilee especially some very like beautiful lines about being different um Mm -hmm. Rant over. Gotcha. <laughs> and mean, anyway,
5: not that it, I want to turn this into an X-Men podcast, but <laughs> I was really disappointed when they pretty much gave her story, Jubilee's storyline of like kind of the heart and soul. When I watched the movie, like um, mm. the, the first X-Men movie, when she wasn't even there and it was like rogue.
4: I know.
0: They, they screwed up the, the movies just whatever. That's a whole other thing. Like not only has Brian Singer not, not read an X-Men comic as far as I know, he didn't even watch the cartoon. So when you watch the movies, you're like, what version is this?
4: Oh, my God. There's an amazing story about Brian Singer. I mean, he's disgusting. Don't know well, yeah. well, um, like, what I'm going to say. No, there's a story. Which story? <laughs> I have to Google it because it was actually, like, iconic. Um, where basically he interviewed somebody else to be Wolverine in 1999. I want to say it's Kiefer Sutherland, but it's uh, it might have been Dugray Scott or someone yeah, else.
0: Yeah, gray Scott, I think, yeah
4: it might have been but whoever it was brought their son to the meeting so that like for example do brought his son and brian singer was pitching the character of wolverine to do scott for example i think it was someone else but it was was someone
0: else yeah i've heard heard this but go ahead yeah
4: and so basically the son was just like that's not what happened in the comics that's not what happened why are you doing it this way that's not what happened and the son was like freaking 14 or something and just like schooling brian singer and i'm like Iconic. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh I, I, mean, I wish I could find out who that actor was. The only yeah. good X Men movie is Deadpool.
2: The <laughs> ol- it's no, the only. It's the Days only one Future that Pass. actually has like, like
3: Days of Future's X- Past gets vetoed for killing off Darwin immediately. Right, but, note, but zero does, forgiveness that's, points. That's wow. first but class. it also still doesn't oh, feel right. like.
2: It also doesn't feel like fuck first class X Men. You know what I mean? It's like Deadpool's the only one where the characters feel like X Men characters. It was Viggo Logan. Mortensen, Logan, by the way. Movie. Oh. It was oh, a good okay. movie, but it doesn't have, like, it doesn't feel like the X-Men. Like, you pick up an X-Men comic, I guess besides Old Man Logan or, you know, one of the offshoots. It doesn't feel like the cartoon or like reading X-Force.
0: I don't know. I think Wolverine and Logan are, do feel like the comic? Uh, Deadpool does too, but uh, the rest, of all the Bryan Singer movies and the other ones are all good. Pretty bad.
4: Burrage. Days of Future Past, I liked, but the yeah, rest are. Yeah, I just obscene. rewatched that.
0: It's good. Yeah, and, and uh, some of the characters, like Magneto, I think I don't. I, I used to love e, what's his name, Ian McKellen, mm-hmm.
1: sir uh-huh. Ian, and
0: sir Ian. And then I saw Michael Fassbender, and I was like, no, this is Magneto. I cannot see anyone else playing Magneto now.
4: Yeah, I I always I I've ranted about this before with Mike. I think on the full volume podcast one time the only thing Singer gets right is the us versus them analogy, because he, he is a minority too in real life. Singer is. So he kind of infused a lot of that, like homophobia, you know, mm-hmm. in society, he infused that into the X-Men world that he made. And I think that's the only good thing that he gets really right about the X-Men. It truly does feel like a homophobia, paranoia kind of atmosphere right. that mutants are living in. He did that very well, but when yeah. it comes to action story points, the characters he focused on, the visual effects one liners, one liners, one liners. What happens thing. to a tote? Yeah, like <laughs> exactly I was
3: literally gonna say that.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no. So but
3: there is the line when, like, like um, I think they do Bobby's like story pretty decently in X Two, when it's like, have you tried not being a mutant? Like that's yeah, just that iconic yeah. to me as a kid. I yeah. was like, oh my it's god, totally and then and then they like foreshadow because now Iceman is is gay <laughs> in the comics. Sure. Um, when he's, like, when Logan, like, pops the beer open and it's, like, not cold, so Bobby, like, blows on it and hands it back to him. I was, like, you're telling me that man? That man is straight.
1: <laughs>
3: and then a couple of years later, he's not. So I was, like, oh, okay. I get it. But that that's the only good scene in all of the first three X-Men movies. Okay. Anything to do with Iceman.
0: I have an Iceman more, Stan. But... Yeah.
3: So anyway, uh, I think it's time to wrap up.
0: We can we'll we'll have you on again, Brent. We're going to talk about X Men again in the near future. It won't be a year, I guarantee that. It'll be a few months. Mm. But uh, we want to thank you for joining us again. Uh, there's a I think there's 65 episodes of Spidey, so we'll review most of them, I'm sure. And I want everyone listening or watching or hearing or whatever you're doing to join us next week because we're going to be back to reviewing um, Spidey comics. Web of Spider-Man number 13, Spide goes Berserk, uh, Amazing Spider-Man 275, the Return of the Hobgoblin, and Peter Parker number 113, where Spider-Man beats up some street thugs. So that should be a good one. Anyway, Josh.
3: Skip Peter Parker.
2: <laughs>
0: Josh, you can take it from here.
2: We also want to thank you guys so much for listening to the podcast. It really helps when you leave us a review over on Apple Podcasts, or you can drop us a line on Twitter at, at @hct spider cast um please let us know what you guys think about the comics or in this case the tv show episodes we're uh, talking about uh we want to keep that comics conversation going
0: so until next monday
1: spider friends go for it <laughs>